Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the HR Cartel Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Dive. Thank you for joining me once more. Um, it's an audio only today, so if you're looking for the recording or if you're pressing play expecting to see my beautiful face, you're not going to see it today, unfortunately, and I apologize for that, but some technical issues in our normal location have caused that one. So bear with me. Um, but today, I want to talk about inflation, productivity, and employment, and job loss, and all that sort of stuff. And the reason why I want to talk about that is because I am convinced that this government of ours is going to do nothing about it. So um, the, the 80 plus percent of the workforce, that's an anecdotal number, by the way, uh, but the 80 plus percent workforce of Australia who's employed by small to medium sized businesses, um, those leaders of the, in those workplaces are really the ones who I think are going to make the greatest impact. These tier one operators, these big businesses, the big end of town with the deep pockets and uh, who, who don't really feel inflation that much, let's be honest, um, and the government certainly aren't going to do a thing. The unions aren't going to be supportive of, uh, of the governments doing much to bring down inflation because that then affects workers and that sort of thing in principally. Um, with regards to uh, wage increases, of course. Um, so they're, they're doing nothing. Their hands are tied. Um, I honestly believe that it's up to small to medium-sized businesses, once again, at the backbone of the country and, um, you know, the, the, the overwhelming majority of workers coming out of those businesses and workplaces, we're going to be the ones that, uh, that save the day. Let's, what's got us here, right? So I think... If we go back to June, Fair Work Commission announces a 5.75% award wage increase, minimum award wage increase. But sneakily, the the actual minimum wage increase was more like 8.65%, right? Now, um, they were very crafty with the way they they were marketing and advertising and, and how the messaging got out there, the PR machine. Um, uh, they were very crafty. You know, they they didn't really publicise that eight point six five percent minimum wage increase. They were more talking about the five point seven five percent. Now, five point seven five percent is the largest, uh, I think, in history that the Fair Work Commission's done um, for award wages in terms of an increase. Uh, so, you know, even that was a bitter pill to swallow, and um, it was quite obviously a contributing factor to to rate to interest rate increases and that sort of thing. So um no wonder that they hid the eight point six five percent minimum wage increase uh in real terms. But if we go back to that, that's where that's where things really got embedded with respect to understanding that productivity was the way out of inflation. So productivity essentially, you know, where where we're as a country, we are the worst we've ever been in terms of the cost to produce. Um, we can blame that on a whole range of things. I honestly believe that a lot of it is, has got to do with what happened during COVID, what standards that created for workplaces and people wanting to come to work. Um, you know, look, it's school holidays right now. It's September uh, in in um, in 2023, and I'm a single parent. I've just gone through a week, the first week of school holidays, where I've had to work from home a few days to to deal with that um, that requirement, you know, to to be a parent um, who's single on a school holiday. And let me tell you now, anyone who has done any research 
and has come out and tried to claim that employees are more productive when they're working from home, you are full of shit. You're absolutely full of shit. I'm yet to agree with any piece of research that comes out to claim anything like that. And my question is, what are you, what are you saying is productivity? Like, you know, is the person being more productive in their personal life because they're at home, because they're not at work, because they don't have to do the commute, all that sort of stuff, right? That's what they're saying. That's not productivity. Productivity is a real thing. It's a definition of it. There's a meaning of it. There's a dollar value of it. Uh, there's an impact of it on employment, on jobless rates, all that sort of stuff, right? It's it's a real thing. It's not something you can just make up and say that people who work from home are more productive because they're not. They absolutely are not. I don't sit on the fence with that. Now, yes, they're more productive in their own lives. Yes, they will tell you if you survey them, they feel like they're being more productive. Yes, they will tell you if you survey them that they feel more relaxed most of the time or you know, they, or they may anyway. Because I, I am aware of one such report that shows um, genuine productivity in terms of how it affects a workplace when people are working from home is actually detrimental. And it starts off well at the start of the week, but when you get towards Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it gets really bad. And um, people's connection and feeling of connection and feeling of um, you know, having a worthwhile position in their, in their teams and workplaces drops off, their happiness drops off. So it, that research does exist too, and I absolutely believe that. That's, that, that, that's true, right? That is absolutely true. Um, but if someone is telling you they're more productive because – they can drop the kids off at school. They can be there to do grocery shopping instead of being at work and having to do grocery shopping at 6 p.m. after they get off the train after a one-hour commute. Um, and they can pick up the kids on time and come back and do a quick 30 minutes more, more of work before they start cooking. That's not productivity. It's not productivity. That is people who uh, are jamming more in their day sooner than they were able to get to it prior because they had to go and actually work and be productive in a workplace. Okay, that's people's lives being a bit easier to manage. That is not productivity. The hangovers of COVID of the COVID era, those couple of years where people were forced to work from home and now you know, they, they became um, expectant of employers to continue those conditions is a direct um, influence on how Poor our country's productivity is right now, and that that's that's a lagging effect, right? That's that's just it's, it's residual effect from that COVID era. That's a big reason why we've got this productivity issue. So, you know, it, it, for for workplaces for employers, it's a really bad scenario. It also results in maintaining or sustaining inflation in the country. Uh, I'm not an economist, but um, many, many people much smarter than me will explain this far better. But I am uh, an expert in the workplace. I am an expert in getting people and systems optimized in workplaces to get results, to get things done. Um, working from home is extremely detrimental to that. Anyway, I digress. So the Fair Work Commission, um, with this maximum or this record-setting increases they did last year or this year in June, 
reward wages and the minimum wage increase. Yeah, if we the, the the people who were sort of um, forecasting what that may do, some of them were suggesting that um, that is going to have uh, a knock-on effect with request to the, the all employees everywhere expecting higher um, you know, salary increases. And if we look at the Fair Work Commission's enterprise agreement applications data across the the, the this quarter, well, the, since you know since July, July and August. Um, the, the reports are out and we're seeing that within these agreements, the agreements that have been approved across those two months that affect some 65, 66,000 Australian workers, those agreements uh, are looking at providing annual increases of you know, higher than 4%, so around 47 4.8%, uh, but, but all of them higher than 4% and very high 4% on average. Um, now that's in comparison to what you know in previous years might have been two and a half to three and a half percent. So it's a pretty big um, difference, right? Um, but why is that important? That's that's important because that percentage takes us over the genuine inflation rate. So wages are, are outstripping inflation. That's what that report indicates. Now, what does that do? That tells the RBA that their efforts to date have failed uh, and they're, well, they've got reasons now why they should consider another rate rise, put more pressure on homeowners, put more pressure on landlords, people with mortgages, um, and, and, and so on and so on, okay? Um, the, the, the RBA has said, now, prior to that data being known, right, prior to that data from the Fair Work Commission's EBA reports um, coming out, um the uh so we're looking at wage increases of three percent three point something percent based on that um the rba was saying that productivity has to increase by one percent across the country to keep inflation in check right productivity has to increase by one percent based on the old three and a bit percent wage increase or salary increases each year so now we're above that right now now we're, now we're going over and beyond that. Look, enter this guy called Tim Gurner. This guy came in under fire last week. He said some some pretty stupid comments, I think. Um, yeah, this guy's a property developer, self self-made millionaire slash billionaire, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I think his net worth is somewhere around nine hundred million, something like that, close to a billion dollars. Um, at, at a at a financial conference last week or the week before, he starts sprouting off and saying that, you know, tradies specifically because he's a property developer, right? He said that tradies have stopped working, stopped wanting to come to work. Um, they're, they're doing very little for very high pay. Um, they, they don't appreciate their jobs. They should lose their jobs to, to make sure that they appreciate what they've got and work harder for what they've got. Um, now, um, I'm pretty sure he said that he wants to see unemployment rise by 40, 50%, something like that. And that was his answer to the productivity issue or the inflation issue. And that's, that's just ridiculous, you know, and rightly so. This guy come under fire. Even people in America, politicians in America picked this up and ran, ran with negative comments against him so much that he came out and apologised pretty quickly afterwards. Um, but they're stupid, stupid remarks, right? Why? Why do 
governments and the RBA and billionaires, um, what do they feel that in order for inflation and productivity and, and all that sort of stuff to improve, which, which let's be honest, doesn't affect them at all, right? Does not affect them at all. Why do, the, why do they feel it's appropriate to make people have to lose their jobs in order to get things back in check? Why is it appropriate that those people, those types of people feel they have the right to tell others that they should lose their money, they should earn less, um, and so on and so on, right? Now, yeah, that's a very general statement. Of course, there are some people that take the piss. We all know they exist, right? But is the answer really to take people's jobs off them? Is that really the answer when we're in, a, in the middle of a, a, a cost of living crisis? You know, is, is that really the thing to do? Tell people they can tell people that they shouldn't be allowed to go to work and earn money to pay the bills, to bring the to bring the cost of bills down for billionaires, and bankers, and politicians. You know that, that's it, it's offensive, right? That's not the answer. Let's let's have a look at the, you know, the, the government's impact, right? The closing the loopholes bill, this bill that rightly so the Senate shelved for six months because it's full of garbage, frankly. Um, it's full of damaging rules. It's a union wish list, and and the union has been beating its chest, threatening the government to give them everything they want, or they're going to come after the government because they paid for the government to get elected. Right? We all know that by now. Um, and this government has the government's produced this industrial relations bill, and put it into the Senate, and it got kicked out pretty quickly, right? To be submitted uh, to be. Um, uh, put under the microscope with a with a, a Senate inquiry, um, but this bill goes to reduce flexibility for employers, right? Um, restrict short term employment. That means making contracting really high risk again for, for employers for companies. When yeah, this has already been sorted by the, by the high court decisions in the last couple of years. All the risk of using flexible workers for and the contracting arrangements was removed it was extremely clear now the clarity was there there was no it was really hard to get caught but for sham contracting um and people who entered contracting arrangements genuinely um you know it was easy to to, to sustain and maintain those arrangements and have flexibility um they, they were making these this bill makes employing people far more expensive far more expensive than it is today um, and it further reduces the productivity, right? Making employment more expensive, removing the ability for employers to use flexible workforces and turn them on and off when they have to produce more and less, um, and and driving, you know, controlling how they can do that and making them employ people full time when they're not really needed full time, drives up the cost of employment, which drives up the cost of products, which drives up inflation which reduces productivity, right? Productivity means that it costs a certain amount of money to produce whatever outcome. And the, the rate we're going right now, it's, it's uh, you know, to, to, to produce what a company produced this time last year, it's costing them, you know, X fold more than it did last year, this time last year. That's what we're trying to avoid here. So what's the answer? You know, I, I don't think the answer is that people have to lose their jobs. The, the the government is not going to do anything because the union has them tied up. 
the union movement has them completely tied up. Um, and, you know, I mean, re- relying on the government to get anything right is a bit of a bit of a, um, you know, he's, you know, it's a bit of a gamble anyway, really, isn't it? Can you really rely on, on any, any side of politics to get it right? I don't think so. Um, but again, workplaces are, are, are the ones suffering. Workplaces are um, where the fingers being pointed in terms of productivity and um, the, dis, the disjoint, the disjointed relationships that exist between um, and, you know, business owners, leaders, and and the workforce is real. Unhelpful comments like this guy Tim Gurner, this this dick that spoke about you know tradies being lazy and people need to you know, 50 percent more people need to lose their jobs. That's ridiculous. That, that's completely damaging, and it further um, entrenches this divide between the workforce and business owners. Unhelpful. Uh, you know, the, the unions push. To just break business owners, the unions push to to um, deliberately include small and medium-sized businesses in the same pool of rules being that they're trying to impose on tier one operators making billions of dollars with thousands and tens of thousands of employees, and putting you know, the, the, the mum and dad fish shop with five employees in the same pool as those people and putting the same rules on them is not helpful, not at all. So the only way out of it is for, again, small and medium-sized businesses to uh, to get better. What does that mean? It means performance improvement, performance management systems. That's what it means. That sounds dull as shit. I know, I know. Boring is bad shit. And everyone hates a performance management system, right? So let's talk about that. Why do people hate performance management systems? They suck. That's why, right? Typically, and especially if you're in these big tier ones, right? Typically, what performance management means is that once a year, you're going to be given a form of some kind to fill in and give yourself a score on on, on how well you're performing in some sort of topic or item. Um, And of course, the employee is going to overscore, right? Because this is all about them being viewed in a good light. It's about them feeling protected to keep their jobs. It's about them justifying their wage and potentially, you know, maybe getting more, um, maybe getting a bonus, all that sort of stuff, right? Sometimes performance management systems are tied to incentives and pay increases. Sometimes they're not. Um, in any case, the employees um, self-assessing, it's always the, the wrong way to do it, right? The second step of that process is typically the manager will now self-assess. And of course, the manager's got uh, team budgets, headcount budgets, and things to to try and stick with, um, and of course they're going to knock you down a couple of pegs. They have to, right? They, they have to. They can't just um, people please, and well, the, the good leaders can't just people please and um, just agree with employees on 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 everything they say and all their self assessment scores and that sort of thing. Because what's likely to happen is that. The, the higher ups, you know, the executives who make decisions on how much money can be released to in, for incentive pools and that sort of thing. Um, you know, what's what was more likely than not to happen is that a business is going to say, "Well, one hundred percent of the bonus is payable, the incentives payable, the pay increases payable aren't being accessed this year because performance in this area was low, and this area was high, this area was too low, 
whatever whatever way your system works. That's typically what's going to happen. Right. End result, everyone gets let down. Employees score themselves high. They get knocked down a couple of pegs. There goes the relationship between them and their leader the, the, the and, and vice versa, right? The the leader has the higher-ups tell them, no, you, you, you're not getting a full incentive pool. So you have to pick and choose who in your team gets more or less and you have to justify it to them yourself. That get that relationship now becomes disjointed between the leader and the higher-ups. Um, overall, the entire performance management system, which is incentive-based, is a, it's a, it's a de-incentive. It disincentivizes people. People don't like it. They don't trust it. They don't want it to happen. They think it's just a tick box exercise and they don't like participating in it. That's not the way to do this. It's not the way to do this at all. Um, pretty simple fundamentals for performance management, especially if you're in a smaller business, a smaller, medium-sized business. Um, let's go back to the, the RBA's statements that what needs to happen across the country is that Productivity needs to increase by 1%. 1%. That's it. So if you look at your workplace right now and you can identify what 1% means, are you a good enough leader to produce 1% improvement across the entire place? If you can't say yes to that, you shouldn't be a leader. You shouldn't be in that position. Every leader should um, be confident in saying, yes, 1% is achievable. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's, a simp- it's as simple as you know, often, quite often, I would say, and this is, again, anecdotal, anecdotal data that I'm just picking out of my brain here. But based on conversations I've had over 16, 17 years and consulting to hundreds of businesses, um, very few do genuine performance management. Very few. Um, most wait till about July and they see what the pay increases are going to be and what people are asking for and the, and the financial year performance. And they come out and tell people how well or how poorly they've done. Um, and that's your performance management discussion. Yeah, that's that's 90% of the businesses out there, especially small to medium-sized businesses. Now, all it takes is once a quarter sitting down and doing a plan identifying um, you know across the across the enterprise across the business what is it that's working what is it that's not working what is it that needs to be stopped what is it new that you can start ask those questions you're going to get your 1% there right get your team talking about that get your team focused on that get feedback happening get communication um, between everybody in the team and leaders of different teams and all those different moving parts, get them all asking the same questions, get the same feedback from the, from the people in the, in the front line on the coal face, make decisions about what your teams should be focused on every quarter, communicate what that is, tell them, right? And then once a month, just check in. Are you still focused on this? What have you noticed? What's changed? Has it worked? Has it not? Is it a market influence? Is it an internal system thing? Is it, uh, you know, are, are, we, are we operating, um, you know, like we did maybe a decade ago? Should that change? Is there a software solution? You know, th- 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 these, this, this information comes to light if you just start talking about it, okay? 
doesn't have to be about um, measuring someone against a standard and telling them they did or didn't reach that standard and dangling a financial um, reward in front of their face and then pulling it away. Right, that doesn't work. Performance management is all about conversations. It's about identifying what matters in the organization, not just what matters to the people. The people will have the things they need to talk about and want to talk about and care about, and that will vary workplace to workplace. It can't be all that either. It can't just be one way trying to satisfy employees. There needs to be a two-way conversation. Okay, talk about what the employees want to talk about and hear about. By all means, do that. But once a quarter, at least, sit down and assess your team and assess the business. Look at what's working. Look at what's not. Look at what you can start new and double down on what has been working well. There's your 1% right there. Imagine if we all did that, right? Productivity uh, issue solved, apparently. According to the RBA, 1% productivity increase, problem solved. So, you know, it's pretty clear to me, governments aren't going to come and, um, and, and, and save us. They don't know how to do it. They can't go against their own pals in the union movement. So they're not going to. Um, billionaires want you to lose your job. Billionaires think you're lazy. Um, you know, and they might be right in some cases, but mostly not so. All right. Anyway, it's been a bit of a rant, hasn't it? But look, it's it's legitimate legitimate concerns because it, we can't just keep on hammering um, mortgage holders. We can't just keep on hammering landlords and people who are trying to pay off houses um, and get them to pay for the behaviours of you know the other sixty six percent of Australians who aren't in that situation, who are driving, um, you know, purchasing and cost of living and inflation and that sort of stuff in other ways. It can't be up to just a third of us. So small to medium-sized businesses, we employ 80 to 90% of the work or the workforce in Australia, 1% increase in productivity. And all it takes is to have conversations about what genuinely matters and what genuinely turns over a result and what doesn't and stop doing that. If we can start having those conversations four times a year with a couple of follow-ups in between, I think we get our 1% pretty quickly. Give us your thoughts on that. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I'd love to know. Um, and maybe that conversation can start to happen and we get some ideas together. That'd be great, wouldn't it? So, look, I think I might wrap it up there and leave it there for this time around. Um, as always, jump on over to www.workplaceas.com and uh, check out other podcast episodes, check out some free tools you can download. Um, funnily enough, focus on performance management, focused on employee performance, job clarity, um, performance review topic, uh, discussion topics, and also a performance improvement plan template. Uh, all those three things are there for you to download for free and start using right away. Um, go on, go over there and give it a go. Um, so, yeah, let us know your thoughts. Make a comment. Reach out. We'll talk soon. Until then, keep a tight workplace. <laughs>